Hey everyone and welcome to season two of Building It Up with Bertelsmann. I am your host, Ankur Variku, and with me today is someone who's helped define what furniture has meant for all of India, Amrish Murthy. He's the founder and CEO of Pepper Fry, and he has indistinguishably built what I would call the most trusted and valuable furniture brand in this country. He started off as the eBay country manager, in fact, way before in Cadbury, where he, in his admission, learned the most from. He also served as the vice chairman of the IMAI. And then he and Ashi started Pepper Fry because they felt that the market was really big, unorganized, and there was still a lot to do. Thank you so much, Amrish, for being part of this episode of Thank Building you. It Up with Bertelsmann. It's a privilege to have you. You have uh, built a terrific vertical e-commerce company, and uh, you've done it for several years now. But it's a really hot category to pick. Like furniture does not intuitively come to mind. It's a, it's a complex logistical nightmare. Custom furniture becomes this another problem. What got you into furniture into the first place? Oh, so uh, taking a leaf out of this, I mean, I wish I could say that you know there was a massive uh, reason to do this. But I guess all businesses take from uh, an entrepreneur's personality. Yeah. And I am a homebody. Okay. Uh, I don't really. I'm the kind of guy who on a weekend doesn't go out partying. Okay. Uh, you know, I said nice, quietly read a book. Uh, so I love my sofa, I love my lamps. Uh, and I always figured that we didn't have enough uh, yeah. uh, of choice when yeah. it came to you know, really doing up your home. Yeah. The other, of course, are the, the good reasons, the large market and, and so on. Uh, so I think a combination of all of this and the fact that I love the category that I operated mm -hmm. uh, suggested that I should you know, be in this space yeah. and therefore I picked furniture. Awesome. And, and what, I, what I love about how you've navigated through this journey is you <coughs> You've genuinely taken the stand of, of a market leader, defining mm -hmm. the standards that this industry needs to operate by. Um, what I'd love to focus on today is the entire way you've gone about building your omni-channel mm -hmm. experience for the customer. Mm -hmm. Go back to the days when you were poorly online. Mm -hmm. and people are clicking and buying and getting delivered and so on. Mm -hmm. What made you realize that that possibly was not the only thing that the customer needed? Okay, I guess there were, there were two fundamental principles that uh, uh, we built our business on. Yeah. The first principle was the fact that, uh, you know, there were, when Ashish and I, my co-founder, we were starting up, there were three words we'd put on the wall, so to speak. Uh, the first word was Indian, the second word was honest, and the third word was fun. And we said that we wanted to build a truly Indian business, we wanted to be honest with everybody in all our interactions, and we wanted to have fun along the way. So uh, what that kind of did was that uh, it also actually decided our name. So Pepper is something that may have been famous for for ages. Yeah. It's the reason why you know all of the trade routes from the from the West got discovered into yeah. India. It's also very honest spice, and Correct. the fry comes when you do the tarka, and therefore. <laughs> pepper, right? Nice. So what what Indian honest and fun decided for us was that we would think about approaching markets fairly laterally, mm. right? Uh, so we wouldn't potentially do the straight and narrow. We would figure out as to what are the other ways we can actually access customers. The second principle that we you know build the business on was the fact that I truly believe that uh, it's the same customer. Mm. So uh, she could be on a mobile phone at some point in time, she could be on a laptop at another point in time, or she could be walking down a high street or going to a mall. And therefore, it's my duty as a business to engage with her yeah. in whichever way she wants to engage yeah. with me. And so therefore, uh, in, in my mind, omni-channel isn't really a choice. Sure. Omni-channel is inevitable. This one message already that someone can take away, it's the fact that a customer segmentation is looked upon as this necessary thing to do, but in my opinion, what's necessary is not customer segmentation, but use case segmentation. Yeah. So it's the same customer that navigates. Yeah. Like in our case, it could be someone who's deal hungry at some point of time, but looking for really high quality at the other yeah. end, and that's what you also Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, otherwise, if you make these 
fairly tight choices yeah. and you say i'm only going to serve this person and not serve this person it's almost like an entrepreneur is playing god yeah. uh, and really Taking i mean moral high yeah, ground yeah, I mean, yeah that's in in my mind that's not that's not the duty of a business the I duty of a business is to grow uh, you know to take a leaf out of uh, yeah. gordon gecko's book uh, or movie or line is greed is good greed and is good. Uh, i think it's important for businesses to grow and therefore yeah, yeah. so let's go back to the uh, to the first store sure I'm sure it was not an easy decision, as, as easy as you make it out to be, and, and kudos for you to that. But uh, the fact that you're an online brand, sure. you set out to be an online platform, sure. and now you're going almost crazy by saying we'll open up a physical store sure. before anyone in this country has done that. Sure. Uh, how was that even imagined? What were the pitfalls that you watched out for? How sure. did you go about doing it? And more importantly, how did you figure that that was the right thing for the business over a period of time? Sure. So, uh, so we opened it as a pilot, uh, okay. and that's actually a great way to approach a new. And right? which was the city? If uh, Mumbai. Okay. Uh, right. And so and we opened ground. it right below our office. Okay. And we said, if nothing else works out, at least it'll be a great uh, a place for us to go interact with customers, get some research done, and so on. Very nice. So uh, the way we started was we opened the first store. We had we had a fairly clear idea of how we wanted it to look mm-hmm. we had a fairly clear idea that you know we never wanted to sell anything from these stores okay so we experience were, so they so. had to be showrooms slash experience sure. centers uh, we had a fairly clear idea as to what the look would be mm. and uh, you know the way we built it we said okay what happens if you know people don't walk in and they don't want to come to an experience center set up by pepperfry it's fine at least we'll have category managers go there and work yeah. out of the store yeah. uh, we can have marketing folks going in <coughs> there and work out of the store so I guess the way we sold it to ourselves was that it's low risk, <laughs> okay. right? Uh, and uh, we opened it as a pilot, and 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 the moment we opened it, uh, I think we this was December of two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw great response. Wow. We saw folks wanting to engage with the products. We mm-hmm. saw customers walking in. We saw customers coming, telling us great stories of houses they'd done up with with Pepperfry products in the past. Nice. Uh, and we were just a three-year-old brand or yeah. two-year-old brand at that time. Uh, and then we opened our second one. Which was, uh, which is actually, I guess, our biggest store now, uh-huh. which is the Indira Nagar Hundred uh, Feet Road store, Bangalore, yeah. and which we opened in, in April the next year, so okay. about three four months from then, and uh, we never looked back because wow. you know these just took off. So this not only served as a great way for you to extend the distribution medium, it mm-hmm. also in some way became a customer acquisition channel. Ah. Uh, Yes, but not in numbers. Okay. Uh, so uh, the way we've always thought about it is, these help us build trust. Sure. Uh, so our experience stores, because we don't sell from them, uh, they effectively clear the trust threshold yeah. in a fairly high involvement yes. category. And I think that's the core reason for our stores to exist. It's not as acquisitions. It's not right. for fly traps. I mean, they're not fly traps, etc., sure. etc. They are fundamentally to build trust. Uh, one of the interesting things, you know, is that. You know that even though we have so many stores, hmm. uh, about just about thirty percent of our business actually comes from people who've gone into a store oh, wow. in the last sixty days. That means that seventy percent of our business actually continues Still, to be entirely yeah. online. Yeah. The other aspect is even those who go to stores, eighty-five percent of them, when they eventually buy something on Pepperfry, don't have a product from the store in the in their carts. <laughs> so it's not as if you're they're buying. You Got know, it. you have a lot of these things about touch and feel yeah, and, and yeah, so on. Yeah. That's not the reason behind the stores. It's That's trust. not how customers are experienced. It's, it's trust. trust. I love that. I love that. And and particularly in a in a low trust economy such as ours, yeah. um, this is this is the equivalent of a TV ad of sorts, right? When you when you see a TV ad on a company, you suddenly feel it. Company is very big. I have to trust it. it. It's the equivalent of it is awesome. And 
the the other big thing that you did before it was any way cooler than what it is today is to start the marketplace model right which is just truly to say i will not have inventory i will yeah. not stock i will not store yeah. and i will have this very nice superfluous platform of vendors from one yeah. side and, and customers like what got you to consider that piece i figured that i was building a business for scale hmm. uh, and as you look to build a business for scale it's very important that you always keep your business inventory light you know, let me give you an example you know uh, the first couple of years i think we were we got a lot of brickbats hmm. for the fact that uh, we were we didn't carry inventory hmm. our delivery timelines were longer than you know of competitors in in in, in our space etc uh, because we never kept the inventory with us right uh, and it would have been easier if we had done an inventory based business i would have been shipping stuff faster uh for the first couple of years they would have been you know i would have made greater margins my processes didn't need to be as complicated in the sense that you know i didn't need to worry about getting products from a merchant uh, and then shipping it out to a customer i would have just done it out of my warehouse i could have done things like offered cod yeah. um <laughs> which you know incidentally we don't offer yeah. uh and you know all of that would have been easier the issue would have been 3 years from then sure. and which is what we realized right so or which is what we were banking on mm. as you look to scale your business if you are truly looking to build a mammoth business you need variety yeah, right uh, one of the things that's curious about about the furniture and home interior space is that there is uh, there is almost no pareto yeah. so it's like a you know you typically businesses have a bell curve right yeah. so 80% of your business comes from 20% of the sks that you have but in furniture and home interiors there is no bell curve wow. so which means that uh, in order to truly serve a large market segment you need to have a large width of variety now you can't do variety when you're in inventory business i mean that becomes really tricky so what we wanted to set ourselves up for was being able to provide customers tons of variety we obviously knew that we would not be able to do that out of inventory so therefore we created systems and processes around a marketplace where we could provide the same degree of experience to customers mm. but without having inventory or behind it right and that's what's resulted in scale because now i what i realized then was i could serve multiple segments of customers yeah. without having having to worry about okay am i niching myself in yeah. is the business not going to scale and i think that's that that was the core reason behind going after the marketplace model the other piece which is always at least as a customer sure. is when i think of furniture i almost think of <coughs> custom um yeah. i want my furniture my way yeah. um and you are particularly different in the fact that you don't do a lot of custom yeah. that's my understanding uh, did that mean saying no to some customer yeah. choices or did it mean that customers <coughs> actually had so much of variety that their custom fit into some standard product so that was the principle i mean i said okay a person would look for a custom couch mm. if they didn't get enough choices in couches by themselves or sofas so if i were to provide you 2000 sofas to select from odds are whatever you want is going to be already available so the principle was you provide so much variety that the customer would not need to go custom right uh, the other thing on custom and we dabbled in it from time to time right <coughs> the entire principle or uh, the the entire thing about customers you know customers are sweethearts they you know are great and they're always kings and queens however very often they wouldn't know what they truly want right so you might have this vision of what you expect a, a cabinet to be like and you could describe it quite clearly but eventually when it comes out exactly to the specs that you laid out it might be a lot different that than what you had thought it would be so it's that mirawala cream problem right and I do not know when you're building a business to scale yeah. whether that's a part of the experience that you can actually cater I mean you can actually do something about so 
better not to be in that segment. And that's that's the decision we made. The other piece is around uh, vertical e-commerce. Yeah. We've had some really well-established horizontal players, the Amazons and Flipkarts of the world. And then uh, they also have a furniture <coughs> category. They also have a yeah. XYZ category. Um, how do you look at that? Uh, and how do you think that the customer looks at it? So I think the customer has a lot of value for specialists, mm. uh, especially when it comes to high involvement categories. Uh, it's the, the, a parallel that always comes to mind is when you have a cold, you go to the general practitioner who's right next to your house. But if you, you know, unfortunately you might have broken a leg, you'd go to an orthopedic, right? Because there is a, a value to the specialization. It's a far higher involvement. And I think the customer in, in a high involvement category looks for uh, specialists uh, and looks for differentiation, right? So uh, we are a specialist. Now, what does the specialist truly bring to the table? The specialist brings to the table the fact that they need to have a wider variety. Yeah. They need to provide a better experience. They need to do that at better prices. And they need to do that with immense product knowledge. Uh, and I think those four are the things that we have built around ourselves, which you could, so to speak, call modes, mm -hmm. right? Which help us, you know, let's say, keep our business in an advantage position, irrespective of who else is there. Uh, and I think that's the way we've always approached it. So if you think about it, I mean, we work with unorganized merchants, mm. right? Uh, most of the products that sell on typical horizontals tend to be branded products. Now, Furniture India is not branded. Mm. So therefore, let's take a basic thing like quality assurance. Quality assurance is actually Pepper Fry's responsibility. It's our responsibility that we need to put the processes in place such that quality is standard, even though we are a marketplace, True. right? It's not a problem that you face selling mobile phones or, or, no. or digital cameras. No. Think about a simple task like merchandising, getting a product live on site, uh, getting an electronics product live on site, images are available, attributes are there, all of that. The chances of getting a, a furniture product live on site in India, mm. the odds of us being the first ones to get that image ever into the virtual world <laughs> are very high. And so therefore the degree of merchandising and the kind of, let's say, integration of merchandising you need to bring is vastly superior to yeah, it. Yeah. And then of course you have the supply chain. I mean, right. it's, you know, horizontals have great supply chains. They, they have, you know, uh, extensive reach, but it's typically a guy on a bike carrying a bag. Yeah. Now a guy on a bike carrying a bag can do many things and carry many things, but a, a, a bed or a dining table <laughs> or a sofa becomes tough for the person to do. So you're talking about a specialized infrastructure yeah. required for deliveries. So I think all of these things are, are hallmarks of a specialist. And that's what we bring to the table. Yeah. I, I like how you put it. So it's, it's <coughs> essentially the intersection of a high involvement category and a specialist. W one question that I always think of, uh, Amrish, <coughs> this was uh, something I'd asked uh, Deep Kalra and, and Sanjeev Vikchandani as well, that when you're, when you're building a vertical business, it's actually very hard to stay focused. Yeah. Because there'll always be these distractions, there'll always be this noise, there'll always be this market, this competition. Um, you've done that commendably well all these years. What will be your advice to entrepreneurs who are thinking about taking their vertical business to the next level? Mm -hmm. About one, being focused, uh, and two, signing up for a really long time, because yeah. that's when true value gets built. Yeah. Um, so firstly, stay focused. I mean, it's actually, my advice would be, it is super important for that to happen. There are many things in life, there'll be many conversations, there'll be many points of view, which might divert you from what you want to do. But as long as you're clear as to what your vision for your business is, stay focused on that vision. So it's almost like, you know, one of the things that I always thought as, I mean, especially over the last 
as Prabhupada was evolving and I, I wanted to make my choices, I said, if something's got electricity going through it or it's got a plug, I don't want to do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so it's it's one way of defining it. I'm not for any <laughs> intents and purposes saying yeah, that that's, sure. that's the only way or the right way to do it. Yeah. But you have to be clear as to what your what that focus means mm. in fairly simple terms. Mm. That focus cannot be a it so everybody should have a really grand vision. But that grand vision should be able to translate into fairly simple steps which you're able to communicate across the organization such that the entire org stays focused, right? And I think so, therefore, focus is super important. I also think that as an entrepreneur, you should take everybody's advice. You should listen to everybody. But you eventually are responsible for your own business. And therefore, you have to make the choices that are that you would want to make as your own business. Yeah, I mean, so that would be my fundamental advice. And then what's your... What's your view on profitability versus growth? At what point? Both. Which one? <laughs> Always both. I no, mean, and, and both is such a hard response. Like it, it's really hard to do that. There are two parts to the to the to the financial architecture of yeah. this, right? The first part is: Do you make money on everything you sell? Yes. Right. So let's call that unit economics. Unit economics. And then the second piece is: You know, all the overheads. Let's say people, payroll, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yo, as a business, the fundamental piece of getting unit economics where you make sizable amounts of money you should be doing from the get-go. Yes. You could be in your first month of operation or your 10th year of operation, doesn't matter. Yeah. You should be making tons of money on a unit economics basis. After that, if you got that right, it's only a matter of time before all the overheads get subsumed and you know your the amount of money that you make selling products actually covers up all the costs that you incur uh, afterwards. So I don't think it's a choice. I think growth with good unit economics is what results in profitability. Sure. Yeah. So... To me, it's actually a logical extension. Yeah. So it's not a goal; it's it's a natural outcome. It's of an the outcome, way you, you right? Because if you're business. if you're making a lot of money yeah. selling products, yeah. and then you sell a lot more, yeah. you're making you a lot make more, more money, money, and therefore that money gets settled off against yeah. uh, all the overhead costs that you have. So if you have growth, you will on a, in a well financially architected business, growth will lead to profitability. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think therefore it's it's not a it's not a contrary uh, goal. One more thing, Ambrish, that you, you've done and done extremely well is uh, adopted the entire franchisee model. Right? Because it's like when you're setting up this, why would you do it always on your own? But it's not easy to get a franchisee yeah. partner. And it takes a lot to sure. just set that process up. So walk us through that and how. So uh, the way we figured was that uh, there are parts of India which uh, we don't know as well mm. as a local entrepreneur would. Uh, and so therefore, uh, the for our business to do well, we need to get local entrepreneurs on our side. So our requirements, and I think that's what one should take care of. It's a franchisee setup is not a, it's not a financial decision. Mm. It's a, a, how do you run the business there decision. Mm. So what we look for typically is uh, franchisees who are willing to invest their own personal time, uh, who would you know spend time in a particular store. If it's only doing the capex or putting in the money, hey, we can do that, right? A person who is in, let's say, in Hubli, mm. where we have a franchisee knows Hubli way better than you know anybody sitting out of Bombay or Delhi or Bangalore ever is going to. And if that person is on your side and propagating your brand, your chances of success in a in a in a smaller town are much higher. And that's what we that's what we are you know uh, banking about. 
Thank you so much, Ambrish, for being part of this episode. With this, we come to an end of yet another episode, Building It Up with Bertelsmann. This season, we've also created the video output of all our podcasts, which you can now check and access on Facebook. But we're also live on iTunes, on Spotify, on Savan, on SoundCloud. So please subscribe, join in, and stay tuned for the next episode of Building It Up with Bertelsmann. This is Ankur Variku, your host, signing off. See you all.